Put your hands together. That was an amazing video. Thank you. He did that last night after the staff Christmas party. That is, wow. I couldn't do that if I had from now to next Christmas. But, man, thank you for doing that. I'd do good just to get my telephone on sometimes. Oh, I'm going to do something to open up today. I'm going to make somebody the proud recipient of a gift. Anybody like to receive gifts? Hey, come on. Who wants to receive a gift today? Yeah, there we go. You're in the right place. Well, only one of you are going to walk away with this. Somebody said, well, heck, I'm out of here then. See ya. Oh, no, here we go. Uh, you know, Christmas is about gifts. It's about the gift. God gives his gift of his son. And uh, so this morning I just thought, you know, I want to give a gift. And this is really a... Mo, don't leave. It's going to be really a good gift. And uh, matter of fact, I mean, I, I really think they're cool. But what I want to do is, uh, to start this off, I think we're going to do this. Uh, if somebody did that, okay, all the people that have been coming to Christ community uh, two months or less, I want you to stand. If you've been coming to Christ community for the past two, you just started in the last two months, stand up. Just people that come in the last two months. Are, are, are you kidding? I mean, I had like this whole game plan. We're going to do two months and, uh, you know, six weeks and two weeks and, wow. Well, I need to go back and work on my sermon. That, that was, a, that was a bomb. Well, you know what? Well, let, let me, let me tell you. you, you I mean, I, you're the winners. Uh, hey, let's put our hands together. Here we go, man. Why don't you go ahead and open that? Y'all go ahead and open that in front of us. Cause, uh, yeah, boy, that was a, I can't believe that every weekend we have so many guests that come up to our place. I mean, we sometimes have, huh? You, you scared them away. And um, so anyway, you get a gift today because you did a beautiful job on your song, Hosanna. Put your hands together and thank God for Catherine. They joined the church last weekend. It was, don't be fooled by the box. Open it up. It, okay, hey, what, hey, it's not a Bible. It's uh, three books. There we go. Hey, there's three. Three books. There we go. So anyway, all right. Hey, you got a gift. Oh, boy, that, remind me not to do that, that one next year. Okay, so, no, hey, that was fun. So gifts, God gives a gift. Just at the right time, the Lord provides a gift. You were uh, given a worship guide when you came in the room this morning. So I want you to turn over to the back, and we're going to look at a gospel account of this Christmas season. And we'll try to see how this is going to apply to your life. There's so many places that we can make application today, and I hope that you'll uh, get into that with me. So... Um, here's what I'm thinking about. When you have a gift or you receive a gift, it always demands a response. Uh, so, you know, like at this time of the year, I see people responding all kinds of ways. People respond to the weather. Oh, it's so cold out there. It's 50 degrees, but they're talking about how cold it is, you know. And then you get days like today when it starts really blowing in the wind and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, okay, so it's really cold. Uh, people respond to traffic. How many of you get excited about traffic around the holidays? You don't drive yet, I can tell. Okay, but the, the thing is, I mean, you, you, you just don't. I mean, you know, traffic, it slows you down. It takes you about twice as long to get there. Uh, how many get respond to the calendar? Like, man, there's only so many days left and I can shop. And so you're responding to your shopping calendar. Well, there, there's something else that I was thinking about. When somebody has a baby... It demands a response. And matter of fact, here he is. Is he asleep now? Okay, so y'all don't wake him up. Here we go. Let me just hold him. Here's, hey, Bob. This is Jackson. Isn't he cool? 
he has no idea that I'm picking on him in church. And Jackson really demands a response. So I'm going to ask us to kind of water it down because he's sleeping. But let's put our hands together and kind of do the really nice, quiet clap. Can you just do that? I mean, come on. He demands. Oh, that, that was good. He has no idea. We just made a fuss over him. Can I tell you, I went to the hospital to see Jimmy and Jordan. And they didn't go, we had a baby. Dang. It's going to mess up our sleep. That is not what they said. Jordan was like, do you want to hold him? Do you want to see him? Jimmy's like, can we take your picture with you? Hey, here, here's some gum. Here's some candy. Here's, I don't know, maybe I had bad breath. Anyway, but they're just, they're doing stuff. But it demands a response. You know, I mean, he's smiling. That is so cool. But, you know, there's something about a baby in it. I mean, it just, I mean, you see, you're just enjoying that, aren't you? I mean, you just walk around and, and it just demands us to do something. Oh, God, the God of the universe, God says, you know, I need to redeem mankind. I need to give a gift. So God gives himself. He gives his son. And he sends Jesus. And, and that's really the story of Christmas. God gives a gift. And that gift has demanded a response since the beginning of time. I remember when I finally received the gift. Do you remember when you received the gift of God's son? It demanded a response. Dude, you're awesome. That is so cool. Y'all want to dedicate him right now? This is just so really, here we go. Okay, so there he is. That is amazing. He went right back to sleep. He's just like many of you. Okay, so. No, I'm teasing. So, babies demand responses. I promise you, when Catherine, one of our worship vocalists, when she has this baby, she's not going to go, big deal. Are you going to do that, Dad? No. You're going to tell the world. And then after you haven't slept for two or three months, then you're going to go, can we take it back? Okay, no, but here we go. So nothing compares with God giving his gift. That's what I'm really trying to say to us. What happens with this baby? God splits uh, history in half. Uh, the calendars are different. God sees that you and I have a need. God responds. I mean, he gives Christ. God unleashes his very best plan in a boy, the boy named Jesus. I mean, man, God is just really up for us, and he's crazy about us, and uh, you know, here's this boy born in the stable, and uh, it gets extremely personal to God when we reject his gift. And this morning, I'm just thinking, have we put off the gift? Have we just ignored the gift? For me, I remember for 19 years, I just turned 19, but I remember I pushed away the gift. I knew about the gift. I'd heard about Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm from Alabama. I live in the Bible Belt. I had Christians that lived all around me in Dalreda. Some didn't articulate their faith very well, but some lived it and some didn't. And they, you know, so I knew who Jesus was. I just didn't know him and I always pushed away that gift. And Christmas, it was always about gifts and toys or presents or something else. It sure wasn't about God's son. And then I can remember getting the gift. I can remember receiving the gift of God's love. And I just wanted to, for a moment to think about you know, why does Christ come? He comes for many reasons. This is bonus material, but I want you to write this down. This, just write it. you got plenty of room at the top. Write this down. Christ comes, why? Because Christ came. He wasn't God's plan B. From the very beginning of time, God didn't go, uh-oh, they messed up. What am I going to do now, Holy Spirit? He'd always planned to give the Son. 
And I want you to write down this verse. Mark 10, 45 is the verse. And this is one of the reasons Jesus comes. Let me just give it to you. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Christ come? To give his life up. To give his life as a ransom. Man, Jimmy and Jordan, they're great parents, and they love Jackson, but you know, I don't think they're going to give him up. And God gives up Christ. I, I'm, you know, you know, you're talking about the one that holds all things together, Colossians says. It says that Jesus speaks the word and the stars stay suspended just where they're supposed to be. The oceans, they, they bowed his commands and they roar in praise to God. I, I love to look at creation and creation shouts glory to his name. I just read a passage out of Hebrews earlier when it says glory to his name. All through the scripture, Old and New Testament, we're saying give God glory. Give me a second reason. Christ comes to give us a call to repentance. Listen to what Luke 5, 31 and 32. Write down Luke 5, 31 and 32. It said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners to repentance. That was me. And that was you. Or is you today? And Jesus didn't come for the religious folks. I mean, he did, but they were pretty full of themselves and smug in religion. But he came for those that needed a doctor. And I, I tried to coach you today during body life. Uh, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to coach at all. I wish people just like, man, that's that response time. I respond to God. If I want to call this message something else, it's called responding. Response. That's the theme. If you walk out here today going, what did he talk about today? Responding responding to god's voice responding to god's love responding to god's grace god i want to respond give me a third thing god wants to give us a new way of seeing that's why christ came because we were blind and we couldn't see and in john 9 39 says for judgment i have come into the world so that the blind will see do you remember that before Christ? Or maybe you're not in Christ today. You remember when you didn't see? You didn't see things of the kingdom? You didn't see spiritually? I can remember that. I didn't know I was spiritually blind. And I remember one day somebody told me I was lost. And I was really lost. I remember sometimes people had even told me to go to hell. And I, I, I realized that's where I was going. I mean, they didn't say it like, we're concerned that you're going to hell. They said it in another manner. But, but the bottom line was, God is crazy about us. And, and he responds to us, and he wants us to respond to him. So there's a new way of seeing the king. And uh, in Isaiah, it, he begins to proclaim who Christ is, Emmanuel. We sing that great song, God with us. God is here. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the church said, amen, I believe it. God, you're glorious. He, you, know, you know what I'm concerned about this Christmas for you and for me? If we're not careful, we'll miss it. If we're not careful, you're saying I'm present. I feel that that card marked me here. Oh, well, I appreciate it when you do that. I, I pretty much do it from memory, and I look at the cards, the ones that fill them out. But it's not just enough to be present, is it, church? You can even own a Bible, and that's not enough. You can even read your Bible. That's still not enough. Christ wants you to know him. You know what I'm amazed? Every year that I get to celebrate Christmas, and, I, and this is my 15th Christmas at Christ Community. I'm preaching my 15th Christmas series this year. Wow. I get excited, but 
preaching at Christmas is very hard for preachers. We're trying to think, how do I tell people that know this story in the Bible Belt something fresh, something new? And today it's all about responding, responding to God. And I just pray that somehow you don't get caught up and you miss Christ at Christmas. You're saying, well, I'm not going to miss my presents, and I'm not going to miss the meals, and I'm not going to miss the musical, but I, I might miss Christ. And Christ is like, don't miss me. Um, the thought, would you just write it across there somewhere today on your notes? Are you responding? How are you responding? Are you responding to the love of God? Uh, God comes himself. And if you look at the nativity, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or got the video and, they, and, and the wise men and the shepherds and everything, they're all just in astonishment and they look with wonder. That's what God wants. I want you to look at the message truth. It says, respond with faith and banish the darkness. When you and I respond in simple trust, the darkness somehow dispels. It it, it goes away. It's annihilated. And Christ is magnified. He's he's majestic. He's glorified. He he increases in our life. And that's what God wants today. But there's three responses I really want you to look at today. I want you to write them down. Number one, indifference versus seeking. It is so easy for you and me to be indifferent in life and at Christmas. You're saying, well, I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to be ugly. Well, let's look over there at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1. The Word says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, have you ever been a part of a census and they're trying to figure out gross and charts and all these things? And, and so everybody had to be a part of the census. And Augustus had ordered it. And then they even had to pay their way to go. Some of them had to journey a really long way to take the census. And then they had to pay taxes when they got there. How many of you get thrilled in just a few months when you get to pay your taxes? Is that not just the most awesome day of the year? April 15th. Isn't it just glorious? You're like, what are you smoking? No, no, it's, it's not a great day. Now, if, if you're young or, and the way it works for young people, sometimes August 15th is cool because you realize I'm going to get some money back. But how about us that have been working for a while? How many of you get thrilled about August 15th or quarterly? Is there any of that? You don't. But you, you pay. You pay taxes. Well, here, they're taking a census. And, and Joseph and Mary, they have to, they have to participate. And they're betrothed here. And they have, to, they have to go. They have to journey to go and, and be a part of the census. And, and it was really hard. They didn't get like their Lexus and ride over and, and stroke a check or give a credit or a debit card. I mean, man, they just sacrificed. They were poor. They, they didn't have a lot of means. And it was, it's mandatory. And it was Augustus was the ruler of the empire, and he forced that to be done. And I just wrote in a thought here, how many signs has God put in your life to follow? What signs has God put in your life? There's a passage that I learned years ago, and I love it. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 11, it talks about ask God for a sign. And I want you to know that is a practical word for some of you. It's not really the context that it was written there, but I think God's word speaks in and out of context. And the church said, and God's word is God's word, and it's all powerful. And I've asked God for a sign many times. And you know what? My God has given me a sign. Do I have a witness? Raise your hand if God's ever given you a sign because you've asked him for a sign. If you haven't gotten a sign, you haven't asked. I ask God all the time, God, give me a sign if that's your will. God, give me a sign if that's the way we should go. God, give me a sign. I'm going to tell you something we're going to do today. Chrissy talked about it. Share the warmth. Three weeks ago in my study, the Holy Spirit put on my heart to do a coat drive for Christ community. I try to be attentive and sensitive to the Spirit. 
You're saying, well, that's good. You're a preacher. I want all of you to be sensitive to the Spirit. But about three weeks ago, I had a prompting. I was thinking about a coat drive, and I kind of, well, I don't know. You know, we, we've done those in the past, Lord, and those are really good, but I don't know. And I don't know if you noticed, but about a week or two ago, the weather changed. And I went, and I was looking for the right coat. Not for a coat, for the right coat, because I'm a Westerner. I'm spoiled. I got all this stuff. So I'm in a study this week, and the Lord just begins to speak to me again. He says, how about that coat drive? You know, you, you kind of like clothing, don't you, boy? Oh, man, I do. So this week, I went to my closet, and I started pulling out jackets and coats and sweaters. And Donna started pulling out coats and sweaters, and we kind of seeded the boxes out there. Matter of fact, can I just go ahead and tell you, I have some anointed Auburn gear in the boxes out there. No, you can't go out there and get it. But, but there's, there's Auburn stuff. I, I begged my friend Jimmy Harper, where's he at? Jimmy, did you put that sweater on, that sweatshirt? I had a beautiful sweatshirt and leather jackets. I said, Jimmy, would you please wear that? And Jimmy goes, I ain't, I ain't doing it. He said, I'll have to repent. I'll have to run to the altar. I said, okay. But here's the deal. Here's why I'm telling you this story. For all of us, we have an opportunity to clean out our closets this week and to clean out drawers and to begin to, and we're collecting all this week. Only this week we're collecting. And next Sunday, I hope the boxes and just overflows. I wish this room would just fill up. And then we're going to go out and we're going to distribute and we're going to get rid of these coats and we're going to make people warm. What do you think, church? That's called the tangible love expression of Christ's love for other people. And, you know, so I was like, God, show me a sign. You know, when, it, when, the, when the weather dipped, I'm like, that's a good enough sign, Lord. I mean, how many of you, when it gets really cold, you're going to put your coat on? Now, I know if you're a teenager, sometimes you're about half dead. Can I just go ahead and pick on you? I never understood teenagers. And I, I worked with teenagers over two decades. And I love teenagers. And I'm passionate about them. But this makes no sense. Matter of fact, this is just stupid. Can I just go ahead and tell you? It is 20 degrees outside. And you've got a T-shirt on that's about two sizes too small. And you're standing at the bus stop. Your lips are purple. It ain't cold, bro. You're lying. Don't even give me that. You just want to stand there and flex for somebody. Man, you just need to go home and take some medicine. You ain't right. Hey, when it gets cold, you do what? You put a coat on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm telling you, there are going to be some people all over our community. I hope they're going to receive some of our goods because we're going we're gonna to share the warmth. Share the warmth. Just a practical thing. So here's, they saw the star. They were overjoyed. The, what did they do when they saw it? They bowed down. They worshiped. They opened their treasures. They presented what they had to Christ. And I pray we're presenting our tithes. I pray we're presenting our offerings. I pray we're presenting our spiritual gifts. But I'm just giving you a real tangible, easy thing to do. Let's present some clothing too. Socks and sweaters and sweatshirts and coats and jackets. God, we just want to give them. See, these guys here, they knew the scriptures. They knew the Messiah would be born. They had been awaiting for a long period of time the arrival of the Messiah. And yet some of them were only six miles away and they missed Jesus. They had memorized the Torah. They knew God's word. And they missed Jesus. But not with the wise men. They journeyed from afar. And I'm just wondering today, that's why I'm going back to what I said earlier. If you and I aren't careful, you can miss Jesus this season. We can have Wednesday night, God with us. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have candle out on the 24th. It'll be amazing. We'll have our Christmas service next weekend. It'll be amazing. But these people on camels, donkeys, journeying. You know what their GPS was? It was a star. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have a 4G phone. They didn't, you know, they didn't go, hey, you know, let's see where it is, man. Let's go find the baby. And then what I find interesting in scripture, they stopped along the way and they asked Herod for directions. Does anybody see a problem with that? 
They asked Herod. That's like, you know, well, no, I won't even say that analogy. Okay, anyway, looking, I almost did another football analogy, enough for those today. Okay, I want you to write down this thought. I, w- I, want, you to, I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this this week. Are you a God seeker? Are you a God seeker? I've been thinking about that a lot. Am I a God seeker? Are you a God seeker? I'm not just talking about at Christmas, every day. Do I seek the kingdom of God? Matthew 6, verse 33 would say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things will be added unto you or unto it. And as I think about God, I seek your kingdom. I I go for what you have. God, I want to know you. And God, as I know you, I want to follow you. But this indifference, Lord, I don't really have time for that. God, I want to be a seeker. I don't want to grow obstinate and cold. You know, I think about we get consumed with uh, things we do and activities and stuff. And I mean, a lot of the stuff's really good. And I'm not saying it's immoral. I mean, if it is, you need to stop that. But, but right now, this morning, some of you, if you're honest, you'd go, there's so much we need to get done before Christmas. And you can't even enjoy the service because you're thinking about all the stuff you got to bake and all the stuff you got to cook and all the stuff you got to wrap and the floors you got to mop and on and on and on. And people are coming. You got to change the sheets on your bed and you got to iron this. And you got some of you are like, you're supposed to be giving us encouragement. Well, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we just get consumed with stuff, but don't get so consumed that you get distracted and you grow indifferent. Be a seeker. I want you to write this thought down. Indifference can be costly. When you grow indifferent, when I grow indifferent, it can be very costly to my soul, to my spiritual life. The second point is simply this. Self-consumed versus Christ-centered. It is so easy for you and I to become self-consumed in our efforts and the things that we do. And, And really, this is a message, I hope, of a biblical Christmas. How do we celebrate a biblical Christmas we seek Christ. We seek the gift. We put uh, Jesus at the center of what we do. In Luke 2, 7, it says, They placed him in a manger because there was what? No room for him in the inn. Hey, man, the, the, the place was jam-packed. There, there's nothing here. And yet, the other guys, they run. They're, they're proclaiming. They're astonished when they get there. But, but I'm thinking about this. Th- this place is packed. It's overflowing. It's like going somewhere to your favorite restaurant, and you, you just can't get in. And Joseph goes up, and he's got his wife-to-be. He's got Mary, and she's great with child. Let me put it this way. She's big as a house. You know what I'm saying? She's a little 13, 14-year-old girl, man, and she's been disrespected. Her friends and her family are thinking, oh, my goodness, she's had sex. She's done this, and, and man, she shouldn't do that. She, maybe she should be put to death. Man, Joseph, he's God's man, and God speaks to him, and he hangs in there. And, and yet she, he comes to the door, and she goes to the innkeeper. She says, innkeeper. She says, man, I, I need a place. And he goes, man, there is no places at the end. Man, it's packed. Look at all the people. And you know what? The innkeeper. He had to look at Joseph and he had to look at Mary. And he looked at that woman being pregnant. And then I saw something this week I've never seen. He looked at Jesus. He just didn't know it. And he didn't have time. He didn't really notice. He was just like, well, look, I don't know. Maybe Joseph was persistent. I tell you what, the paying guests are putting their animals around back. Why don't you go around back and hey, give me some money? And we'll let you sleep back there. We'll, you know, go back there. Just get out of here. And you know what's so cool is God highlights the response of the innkeeper. There's not a lot said about him, but maybe, and you're saying, and I don't know about you, but you know what I thought? I've always thought the innkeeper was a jerk. Does anybody else think that besides me? 
Scott, you never thought like that? I mean, I'm really thinking, this guy is not my favorite guy. He, I'm, I'm thinking like he's like Zacchaeus before Jesus. You know what I'm saying? He's just, he's just not a nice guy. But then let's give the innkeeper credit. What's the innkeeper's job? To run an inn, to make money. He, did, he didn't have, he, he was, uh, you know what it was? He was self-consumed. He wasn't centered about Christ. He was consumed with himself, with his own goods. So Jesus comes to the door. He barely notices. And basically he's saying, I got this much space for you, Jesus, out back. And I want you to go spiritually with me today. You're saying, well, if Jesus knocked on my door, I'd give him a room. Would you? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice, I will open it up and come in and fellowship with him and sup with him and him with me. Man, I always say about that verse, and Jesus is there, and he just knocks, and he just says, hey, I want to come. And some of us are go, man, I, I got room for Jesus. I'm opening up wide. Jesus, just move on in. Take my whole house. And the others are like, no, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't have room for him. But there's two choices here. I want you to write them in. The two choices are this. You protect your life. That's what the innkeeper did. He protected his interests. He protected, uh, he wanted to make money. And, and you contrast it to those of the shepherds that ran from the town and they, they left their sheep in the open fields. Secondly, they risked their life. So you protect your life or you risk it. And, and these shepherds, they're out there. They're to, to keep the animals, the predators from destroying them. And they just ran. They just left. I don't know what happened to the animals. The Bible doesn't say, hey, they all left and they came back. All it says is that they left. They were astonished. They went to worship the king. And I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, do we get consumed with Jesus? And when we get consumed with Jesus, we worship. Or do we get consumed with ourselves and we worship ourselves? So this Christmas, I'm saying, Jesus, help me worship you. Help my friends worship you. Um, the question begs this. Is there room in your life to be consumed with Jesus? Is there room this morning to be consumed with Christ? And a lot of you go, oh, man, there's so much room. It's, I, I, matter of fact, this morning when I went back over this message, I, just, I wrote down, is there room in your life to be consumed with Jesus? I went, that's it. That's the key question of the day. Is there room in my life to be consumed with Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his priorities are my own? Because, see, here's what happens. When Scripture is alive to you and you believe it to be the very words of God, you can't wait to read it. When you know that you're alive spiritually, you can't wait to hear God's word proclaimed and the church said. Because you say, that word's for me. Now, I'm fixing to nail some of you right now. I want you to hear this carefully. When you're spiritually on fire and you're consumed with Christ, you can't wait to get into this living room. You can't wait for Jeff to play the first note. You can't wait to worship because you're consumed with the king. And the church said, because you know what you're thinking? That song's for me. That lyric's for me. I can't wait to sing. Because you get consumed with Christ. And this morning, I'm just praying, God, consume us with your presence. God, I can't wait to get in your presence. You know, I've been thinking a lot about heaven and eternity. And you know what we're going to do for all eternity? We're going to reign with Jesus. We're going to be a joint co-heir with Christ. And we're going to rule the kingdoms of this world. And we're going to praise Jesus for millions and zillions of years. And some of you are like, we are? We're going to do that for how long? You're saying, man, I can't even praise him more than five songs, man. Oh, you're going to have to learn. And I think it's going to be great. And what did the church say? I'll stay here a while. Oh, Jesus, consume us. 
Because you know what? His kingdom is going to be ever-expanding, ever-increasing. New things being unfolded by the millisecond. Just new opportunities. I don't understand it all. All I know is I can't wait to go there because heaven is where my Savior is. Heaven is where those that I love very much that have died ahead of me in Christ, they've already gone. How many of you want to pack up and go? There's no more taxes. Hallelujah. There's no more health care reform. Praise God. There's no more increasing gas prices. There's no more shopping. Praise God. There's no more belly aching and whining and complaining. There's no more budgets for me to be concerned with with the church and deficits. Praise Jesus. Only the Son. Now, do you want to go? So, I was hoping somebody would say, you got a bus? When can we get on? <laughs> That's right, or a load up. Because we're going to go. So let me give you the next one. Oh, let me write down this thought. Identify what makes yourself focused. And the third thing is, what's your fear versus your faith? Some of us have fears in here today. Uh, Mary and Herod had fears. Mary had tremendous fears. She was a teenager. She was pregnant. She was the virgin mother. She's ridiculed. She's put out. What is she going to do? What's her future going to be like? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's pretty to think about that. But then Herod, I mean, he's like a 20-something-year-old king that reigns and rules. And then he's a, But when he hears about, can you tell us where this Messiah is going to be born? He's worried that the Messiah is going to take his place. So what does he do? He orders that every male baby two years and younger, younger would be killed. Now, that's what I call an ego. What about you, church? He's worried. He's fearful that the baby is going to take over in his life, and it's a young leader. And I, I got to thinking about fear here. What do you fear? The fear, I, I wrote down some things. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a job. The loss of your physical health. The loss of fill in the blank. And yet all through the scripture, Jesus keeps saying, fear not, be not terrified, you are mine. You belong to me. Trust in me. The response here, Mary, she has a response of faith. I am the Lord's servant. I am highly favored. And she worshiped Jesus. And boy, she has a really different response than uh, Herod. But I want you to write this in here. Fear versus faith. And the next blank says, we have a response to make. So this morning, there's a response for each one of us to make. You can have a response to live in fear and be paralyzed by fear, or you can have a response to, uh, to turn your heart toward God and, and respond to the offering of God's Son. That's today's gospel message, is that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, and we respond to the Son. You know, you and I could have a poor response, but that would be crazy. So I pray we'll respond to the Son. Let's pray. Lord, how good it is to be in your house. And uh, I pray that we would respond to the work of Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd stir our minds. You would remind our hearts of your love. And you would stir deeply in our soul to never forget you, to remove you. But you would remind us to be consumed with your living presence. Lord Jesus, you're so awesome. And you're in this place. And I pray that you would rule in our hearts today. Come, Lord Jesus, King of glory, and have your way in us. Lord Jesus, be born today in a lost heart. Be born today in us, Lord Jesus. Come. 
come, Jesus. We don't want to miss you. In the name of Christ, amen. Mark, I'm